When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Celtic Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for your Boston Celtics. Killing it in the playoffs. Really excited about the performance of the team in games one and two. And I believe on our very last show, John, you had said to me, well, we're just not sure that Jalen Brown can be that kind of a scorer. Can he do it on a night-in and night-out basis? And then he goes out there and just earns more of my showering love with a 20-point performance in Game 1, a 30-point performance in Game 2, and really not ball-hogging it at all either, just working his way into it. He shot 40% from beyond the arc this season and really has been on a tear through the first two games, has been hitting most of those open shots, although there's no way he called bank on that last one in game two, John. <laughs> it doesn't even matter, does it? I mean, when you're when you're rolling like he was, it doesn't matter to call it. I mean, look, he called game effectively because he was the difference. He was the best player on the floor for both teams. I mean, Jalen Brown was just tremendous, and kudos to him for bringing that effort for two nights in a row. Um, that's not easy, especially when in the playoffs, you know teams are going to have that opportunity to change of how they do, how they work, how they operate, how they defend players, and and what it, what do they do? He got he went off even even stronger in game two. The youngest player to score thirty points in a, in a playoff game for the Boston Celtics, a team that's won seventeen championships. That ain't bad. Okay, that ain't bad. Uh, your your boy Jalen uh, killed it last night. He is absolutely doing great stuff both ends of the court. This isn't just you know chucking it and all this. He is he is playing so well on both ends right now. Um, and there's a lot of players doing well. He got I mean, burned a couple of times. Let's be fair. He he got smoked baseline a couple of times. I love the thirty point performance. It happened to be on my birthday. Um, and you and I are both on vacation. We're traveling. So if anybody kind of notices difference in audio quality for you and myself, it's because our main children are on spring break. But what a gift during vacation time. I wanted to ask you, you're able to see the game and everything just fine. Where are you? You're in like Myrtle Beach? Yeah, you got it. Down in South Carolina. The beach life. And I'm in Maine for vacation. So what's wrong with me? <laughs> Well, it's also funny since you're our main children. Like we have tertiary children. No, no, main M A I N D. I do. I do have tertiary children. <laughs> <laughs> we have children on the side. We can't really talk about on the show. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> no. My girls are in Pennsylvania, where I live, obviously, and then my son is in Maine. So yes. this is the yes. week we spend together. But. Um, what I will say, and, and actually just a little shout out to Riley because his birthday is three days before mine. And, uh, we went to that scary Terry performance last minute game winner on Super Bowl Sunday against the Portland Trailblazers who are struggling in the postseason, by the way. But 
uh, he had a chance to be on CLNS Media that, uh, media that afternoon with the Super Bowl predictions from halftime at the game. But that this was really a critical season as much as the injuries could have snuck up on them in the postseason. I think from that whole stretch of time, including downtime for Kyrie Irving, pretty extended, what did he miss, 22 games this year, really yeah. prepared them for the postseason. I mean, if you're going to be without Kyrie – for April, May, and and if we're lucky, probably not June. Um, but if we're lucky, we get to June. So there you go. It was important for somebody like Terry to have game-winning moments over the course because now he has this confidence. This and he had it in the postseason before, but he's really got the keys to the team in his hands, and he's done remarkable. And I'll even give another little shout out in terms of the guard play because we are so thin. But Larkin, after just an atrocious game one, hits a buzzer beater at the end of was it the half or the third quarter? End of the third, third quarter, quarter, right? End of the third quarter in game two. And that really gave him a lot of confidence feeding the post well. And um, I think that's something that they really, that he really needed to bounce back. Yeah, Larkin was, I mean, that was, it was painful watching him Sunday. You know, you <laughs> he's done so well for this team on a number of occasions. He has not had, I don't think he's had any stretches playing for the Boston Celtics that were that rough to watch. And after you thought, okay, is he going to bounce back? Is he a pro? Is he going to be able to get through it? He played great. He played fine. You know, he wasn't his best game ever, but that's okay. You don't, you don't need that. If you can play, if you can bench can play competently, they were fine. Second, the second quarter, the bench struggled really badly when, when Horford came out and the whole lead that they built up in the first quarter evaporated pretty quickly. And in the third quarter or in starting the fourth, they, I think they shortened their spell. They, they adjusted the rotation just a little bit. Brought Horford back earlier in the fourth quarter, and I think that that really kind of helped things, you know, push ahead. But Larkin did play much better, so hopefully that's a sign of things to come here for Game Three. Well, what a finish to Game One! Uh, definitely did not think with a half a second on the clock that any shot would get off. You're basically just hoping don't foul. And then there's Chris Middleton over by <laughs> the Red Auerbach signature, hucking it up. Jalen Brown. Got as close, I think, as he probably should have. Not could have, but as close as he should have, just because the last thing you want to do is put Middleton on the line for three shots. You know, he was probably three, two to three inches away uh, at full extension release of Middleton's shot with his hand in his face. But it goes down, and that crossover on the play before by Terry Rozier, just to put, was it Bledsoe, basically on his ass, was phenomenal. And we've seen a couple of killer ankle-breaking uh, crossovers in the last three weeks in the NBA. I'm trying to remember the other one, and I can't. But literally, just it's, it's pretty interesting to, to watch. And Bledsoe... Probably on par with Larkin's game one performance over, but over the both of, uh, over the course of both games really struggling for the Bucks. I mean, that's a, a letdown for them in my opinion. Yeah. Well, and I think we're, I think you look at, you know, expectations, right? Going into it, no one's looking at, at Shane Larkin as a guy who's, you know, a, a really a must, uh, you know, in terms of his performance and, and really needing him to, to perform, you know, admirably. You just need him not to uh, basically uh, throw up all over himself out there, which he basically did in game one. 
Bledsoe has to lead somewhat. I mean, this is a guy. He's the point guard of this of this team, this Bucks roster. He's he is kind of their second scorer. He's probably arguably the second best player they should have on their roster. And yet, you know, where's he been? He's he's given up copious points uh, to, to Terry Rozier. He, uh, despite a, a well earned reputation earlier in his career as a good defender. Uh, he just seems, he seems lackadaisical. He seems uninterested. He is completely a non-factor out there. And, you know, for obviously the, the big stuff last night was him saying, I don't know who Terry Rozier is. Well, <laughs> if you don't know who he is by now, I got a feeling uh, Terry's going to have something more if for you. If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're gonna be watching clips of you falling on your ass over and over and over as a game plan, not only this year but next year as well. Hey, a reminder: you can follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke. The entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media. Go to Facebook.com slash CLNS Fans and download the CLNS Media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS Media in your app marketplace. And finally, the YouTube channel. You can go to youtube.com slash CLNS Media for high-definition, full-length locker room interviews. And the guard report, the roundtable, highlights, video highlights, and snippets from here on Celtic Stuff Live. But, John, the defense is something you just talked about with Bledsoe. And I really want to call out the entire Milwaukee Bucks team. I just don't see the commitment to defense. And they are never. It doesn't matter the opponent. They could be playing the heat right now. It does not matter the opponent. If you're not going to commit to defense on every single play, you're going to struggle. I'm not saying the Celtics haven't had their lapses. They certainly have. I also feel like the officials at the end of game two were blowing the whistle randomly for Giannis just to make the game sort of entertaining. But there were some definite non-calls that were absolutely reputation ridiculous. But setting all that aside, it really doesn't matter because if the Bucks don't play D, it's over for them. In any postseason play. Yeah, and I think that was, you know, that was why I think I came to be uh, not nearly as concerned about playing them. After that, the game at the end of the regular season or the second last game of the regular season, when I saw them play Milwaukee, Milwaukee had no no answers. And the Celtics had, I wouldn't even call it the B team. I think there was like the X team in there. And... Milwaukee had no, there was no answer. There was, they had no, there's no defensive plan. You know, offensively, there isn't even much of a plan, but there's really nothing to speak of. So despite the physical gifts of a guy like Giannis, there's no cohesive effort. So, you know, the fact that the Celtics have put up 120 uh, in a regular, you know, kind of regular 48 minute game and then 113 with five minutes added in overtime. That doesn't bode well. And, yeah, when they go back to Milwaukee, I expect a better effort on that end, particularly from a guy like Bledsoe. But they just don't have that gear right now. And could they get there with some young players? Absolutely. But I I don't think they have enough time between now and the next, uh, at most, five games uh, for them to figure it out. Yeah, I'm not really – I think the Celtics will probably steal one on the road, but even if it gets tied up – I think they'll steal the last one on the road in Milwaukee. I think what we're seeing is even if Ani DeCampo just totally goes into hero ball and takes over a game in LeBron fashion, 
Uh, I don't know that he's going to be able to do it every single game, and definitely not against Brad Stevens, who's a master at developing strategies to stop said players. And so I, I do think they're going to end up taking one on the road. I don't think that this goes seven. Would be great if they could just punch him right in the mouth in game three and go up 3-0, but I do not see that happening. We can get to our predictions a little bit later, but I only want to say that Based on the records in the past, and we know these records have been broken before, but I think the sl- the statistic that went up on TNT's coverage was Celtics are 35 and 0 when leading a series, 2-0 in franchise history, and then the Bucks 0 and 13 in franchise history when going down 0 and 2. That pretty much, not exactly, but pretty much mirrors the statistics that you see around the league. You really need to split the first two games for it to be a series. Otherwise, the team that goes up 2 and 0 is in the driver's seat. With that in mind, I look to second round playoffs. And one thing that I really love that could be an awesome storyline if the Celtics end up playing the Philadelphia 76ers, which, yes, that series is tied one-to-one, but it looks like the likely opponent anyway, I think it would be really intriguing for all of these young players to play each other. And my question for you in that regard, I think we always thought, I know Tatum hasn't been all-world in the first two games, but he's played some solid defense, had a nice couple of blocks, but... You look at Brown, you look at Rozier, you look at Tatum. I've not wanted to trade Brown and Tatum at all for a while. I've kind of been in that camp. But Terry was somebody that I was like, okay, well, this is a player we might be able to relinquish in a deal. But And and mostly that has to do with overlap and opportunity. But damn, you almost feel like if you let him go, you're really going to be missing something because he is so clutch, and that's what you need in the postseason. No, you know, I, that's that's the hard thing right now. I think is you know, you, I I don't think either one of us wants to trade or, or you know, these are great players. They have the potential to be great players. It's not it's not even uh, you know, for me, it's not even a, an issue of like, well, I don't like this guy. I do like that guy. I mean, I I like Brown. I like Tatum. I like Rozier. I mean, this is what a good problem to have, you know. Um, but you look at Rozier. I think the issue with Rozier is timing, and I, and that's the, the the concern here. It's, it has more to do with money and when to when to move on from assets and th- and and those issues as opposed to, you know, not not feeling not seeing a fit, not liking what he's bringing, not seeing a potential. To me, all these issues, particularly with Brown and and Rozier, have a lot more to do with when they were drafted, when you're going to have to pay them, and the fact that you're going to have some veterans that. Are going to come up, you know, a little bit sooner and maybe a little bit pricier. And I'm looking particularly at Kyrie Irving, and where is that opportunity going to come? And I think that's kind of what you're talking about: is the limits for him to be able to star to show have been limited, you know, with us with behind Isaiah, behind Kyrie. Now he's getting that opportunity. He's doing great work in Rozier, but <laughs> Kyrie is around the corner, and as good as Rozier has been, he would. And as as well as we feel as he's, as he's played, he's not at that level. And I'm not sure he, no. he – I don't think he can get to that level. That's no, and the rare. other – it's not just Kyrie that's around the corner. It's Hayward, too, because that puts you yeah. in a precarious position about which of the three young players we just mentioned would actually get the starting nod. You could play Terry off the ball um, or – 
you know, dual combo guards with him and Kyrie at the two, but then that immediately bumps Jalen to the three, Tatum goes to the four, and then you've got Hayward and Horford that you've got to fit at the five, which you can't, and you're not going to do that. Both of those players are going to get uh, into that starting lineup, and so you've got that crunch where it almost forces Rozier to the bench regardless of what you want to do, and that's the concern. So you do essentially have to make the decision, are you going to roll with uh, – Kyrie Irving, or are you going to take a chance on a younger player? And that's just that that answer is an easy one to make. It's going to be Kyrie, regardless of the surgery. A couple of quick sponsors to talk to you about: Simple Contacts. If you wear contacts, you know how annoying it is to get a prescription year after year just to be able to buy more contacts of the exact same prescription. Quite honestly, this has always been mind-numbing for me personally. By the time I could take advantage of the cost savings there, I've already had to go back to my eye doctor. So Simple Contacts is changing that by using technology to make renewing your prescription and buying contacts super well Simple, and here's how it works. Using your phone or computer, you can take the Simple Contacts vision test in just five minutes. It's literally anywhere. You'll be set up on your laptop or you'll be set up on your phone, and it will use the camera to take that test. The doctor will review the result in 24 hours, writes you a new subscription, and boom! A fresh supply of brand new lenses on the way to your door. I got my lenses literally in two days from when I ordered them. This was so fast. And no appointments, no waiting rooms, no more overpaying. You get the benefits of the cost savings through simple contacts by bringing the doctor's office visit to wherever you are, whenever you need it, even in the clutch. Simple Contacts offers every brand of lenses, and their prices are unbeatable. The prescription's just $20. The contact lens prices are super competitive, and shipping is free. So best of all, our listeners are going to get $30 off their first Simple Contacts order. To save that $30 on your lenses, just go to simplecontacts.com slash CSL18 or enter the code CSL18 at the checkout. I do have to mention, though, that this isn't a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need those occasionally, but it is the most convenient way to renew a prescription and reorder your contacts if your vision hasn't changed. Again, check out Simple Contacts. Get $30 off by going to simplecontacts.com slash CSL18 or just enter the code CSL18 at the checkout. Give it a try. You absolutely will thank me later. And... Another sponsor, Four Hymns. Listen up, fellas. 66% of men begin losing their hair by age 35. And then they choose not to do anything about it until it's too late. However, it is a whole lot easier to keep the hair you have than it is to try to replace the hair that you've lost. So... Have you started to notice that receding hairline? Or maybe you're like me, and your son finally spoiled the secret that you couldn't see on your own. Yeah, that bald spot hiding in the back. So why is it that we do nothing when we can turn to medicine and science? And here's your chance there. Our listeners get a trial month of hymns for just $5 today, right now while supplies last. See the website for full details. Go to 4 slash CSL2017. This would cost you hundreds of dollars if you went to the doctor or pharmacy. So take advantage of this offer today. That's 4 slash CSL2017. John, I want to talk about something that I floated. I think it was on the last show. It could have been the show before last. But I wanted to see Horford and Monroe, the moose, 
on the floor at the same time. I loved the ball movement potential there. And while we not, we're not seeing a ton of that, we have had overlap with the two of them on the floor. And it's exactly the kind of spacing I wanted to see. Feel like you get the rebounding. Loved Horford's coast to coast dunk the other day in game two or the other night in game two. And so here we are and I know it's kind of a subtlety and maybe isn't like the hottest topic when we look at the playoffs, but I really want to see more of Horford and Monroe on the floor together. Well, I, you know, we saw, as you said, we saw a little bit of it. Uh, I think they, they punished uh, Milwaukee and those opportunities that they had. They really didn't pay the price for it. Um, and you're right. I think those, those lineups, they provide some passing. They provide a little bit of spacing with Horford out there. Uh, I think, you know, what they've been able to do probably more so than I've seen in, in the Celtics do is really use isolation to a far greater degree in this, in this matchup here in Milwaukee. But whether it's Moose on, you know, Middleton or, uh, you you know, put Giannis in there on Horford. I mean, they, they have taken those opportunities and they're picking apart that, that, that small forward, or I should say the power forward that's, or the guy that's getting switched onto one of those bigs. Which is kind of interesting because that's not a prototypical Celtics offense. That's not something that they've done. And let's give credit to Horford. Let's give credit to Monroe. And they're making Milwaukee pay for those situations. You know, that's, that's the ebb and flow to the game. And, you know, against a different team, they may not have those opportunities, but Milwaukee has a lot of these long lean guys who obviously create problems in passing lanes. But when it comes down to traditional back of the basket, low post play, Celtics may have one of the best guys left in this playoffs with a back-to-the-basket game in Greg Monroe. Well, did anybody, when you say it ISO, I wonder, did anybody say Mook? Because there's a guy who just, he's, he's always looking for that ISO. He'll create it even if it doesn't exist. He'll dribble himself into an ISO somehow. And what I love about this scenario, I was talking to my father and my son about this when we were watching game two, is the fact that there are so many shots that normally would have me pulling my hair out that you see Marcus Morris take and make. And what's crazy about it is we miss Kyrie, we miss Hayward. Those are the guys that even though you see a player like Brown putting in 20 and 30, it's not like he's closing out the game. I mean, he did hit a pretty clutch shot, that bank three like we talked about. But I don't think either of us are 100% confident that Brown's the guy that you're going to give the ball to to close out the game quite yet. Um, he's, I think he's going to get there for sure just because of his athleticism and more and more his attacking the basket. And some of the rebounds he gets are so creative and uh, those 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 second chance points, even when he misses, is giving him the confidence to keep attacking. But right now, I would not say that. And then those opportunities would have gone to Irving. They would have gone to Horford. And instead, what we see is two players, Rozier and Morris, that seem to be doing all of the heavy lifting in the final stages of the game, at least offensively. And I, I would say Terry... I don't shake my head at on shot selection very much, but I consistently shake my head or go, no, when Morris takes the shot, but yet they're falling. And without him, this team is in a difficult position in the postseason. They're <laughs> difficult position. It's funny to say difficult position after this regular season that this team has had and the constant run of bad luck that they've had 
it's fine. <laughs> I mean, just you think they put themselves in a bad position. It's, it's like we like, literally could say that because they're performing well, despite the fact that they don't have most of right. <laughs> they don't have two of their top three players. Other than that, you know, they've been in a good position. But yeah, yeah, you know, it's oh my gosh, it it just when you say that, I just I just kind of like think back to just where we were, where we, I mean, where we were just even like a few weeks ago when. You know, that run of Tice, Smart, and, and Kyrie all go down in, in rapid succession, you know, and it's just, I, even if, you know, this goes seven games, or even if they get to the second round, they get blown up. I mean, this has been um, a truly remarkable playoff run, um, and uh, you know, just two games in. I mean, honestly, but I guess what I have to put, let me, let me reel myself back in and say, a year ago at this time, the Celtics were down 2-0 and all was wrong with the world. So maybe, maybe I need to just kind of ratchet back my own, uh, uh, my own enthusiasm, but it certainly looks like. No, you don't. This is the time. <laughs> this is the time. Yeah. The, the odds stacked against you. This is the time to have that enthusiasm, especially the way that they've played. Now, you're right. They could go out and play game four on Friday night and lose and then do the same thing Sunday afternoon. It could be all knotted up at two. Things could be ugly. I don't even want to say it, but there could be an injury. You never know. And then all of a sudden we're having our next show and all we're doing is doomsday predictions. But for right now, you're on vacation. You're relaxing. You're at the beach. You know, hopefully you're fitting in some golf down there and you know, you have all the right to be enthusiastic. Don't temper the expectations. Raise them. That's what Brad would do. <laughs> That's right. Yes, there is no limit to the expectations of this team. We just we're we're gonna really uh, forget what Philly's doing. We're trusting Brad, Brad's process, and that means just focusing on getting better every day, right? That's what Brad would say, and so that's what we're going to do. We're just going to focus on getting better every day, and hopefully that gets us through the second round, and then. You know, then we then we trust. Then we go against the other process and see how that goes. That would be uh, that's some pretty fascinating stuff going on in that other series. Um, you know, and I don't know if we want to get into that, but but certainly that you know what's going on in in Philly, really the, the entire East. It it is a little bit hard to watch these teams, knowing that if the Celtics had these players plus Kyrie plus Hayward plus Smart, they would uh, trounce them. They would destroy the Eastern Conference. You know, there were a lot of tempered expectations. You talk about tempering your playoff hopes and aspirations today. But at the beginning of the season, everybody was tempering what this team could do. And then all of a sudden they go out, they have two extremely competitive performances against the best team in the NBA in the Houston Rockets. Uh, you look at Golden State, they've got injuries that they're dealing with. Now in the postseason, you're looking at these teams and you're thinking, yeah, exactly what you said. Imagine those two stars on this squad you gotta think they would just cruise through the Eastern Conference and actually be very competitive and have a legitimate chance. Not necessarily that they would be the favorites because they would still be, I think, pretty substantial underdogs in the finals, but have a pretty good shot at having, you know, banner number, uh, 18 come home. That's pretty crazy to think about because of the fact that at the beginning of the season, people are like, ah, is this team really that much better than last year? And then you look at the cast of characters, the development of the young guys, the talent that's been added, and you say, you know what? People were uh, laying pretty low expectations on this squad when they were at yeah. full strength before the year got underway. 
Well, you and I talked about it on Twitter. You know, in terms of the the number, you hit the win total right on. I was off by one, uh, and you know, and on the one hand, yeah, it, it it's great we made it. On the other hand, we whiffed because we did not foresee what was capable of these of these young players. Right, the asterisks the on the injuries. Data. It was totally an yeah. asterisk on injuries. Fifty five if they don't get hurt. And it's like fifty five with way more injuries than you ever could have expected. Right. Right. And and so, you know, and that's what the thing is you look at what's going on here, I would if 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 we had full the full health, I'd be watching I'd spend a lot more time staying up at night because I'd be watching Golden State and I'd be watching a lot more Houston because I would think one of these, I'm going to play one of those two teams, you know, and, you know, Houston hasn't played so well. Curry's got the ankle issue or the knee issue, I should say. He always has the ankle issue. It, it, it wouldn't be crazy. I mean, it would be a little crazy, but this could you know, have been crazy the things happens with injuries as Celtics fans too, too well know. This could have been the year. There's no doubt. Okay. Uh, let's not get into the other playoffs. Let's do that on the next show since we're coming to everybody a little late after there's two games in the book, books, and we're going to do two more games and then record again. So let's, let's pause on that and then we'll get a little bit deeper into the playoffs and really hammer out some of those other matchups in the Eastern Conference. But what are your predictions for finishing this one out? There's going to be two more games before you and I come back. They're both going to be in Milwaukee. Game three, game four. How do you think it goes down? I see a split. I think Milwaukee. I think their season's going to be on the line Friday night. Um, I just I think that they're feel they're going to feel like they need to get that W, uh, and you know they're going. It's going to take a Herculean effort by Giannis to do that. I think you know Eric Bledsoe may figure out how to play basketball again, uh, and I think they're going to shorten the rotation. He went, <laughs> Prunty went way too deep. I mean, he went he played twelve. And he wasn't getting enough out of any of those guys. I don't know why Brogdon's not playing more. I, I just don't understand that. Yeah, that is curious. Great point. He, yeah, I'm not saying that Brogdon is is the answer, but he's making his shots. He's 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 got good size. And Bledsoe's earned the yank. That's the other yeah. thing. He deserves yeah. to be yanked. Absolutely. I mean, I thought I thought Brogdon earned more time. Honestly, last you know in, in game two, just off of his game one performance. But the fact that I mean, he may, he may, maybe he's on minutes restriction. I, I shouldn't, you know, maybe no. He played thirty two in, in game one. So I, yes, that was an overtime game. But he only played eighteen minutes in game in game two. To me, Brogdon. I, I mean, I don't love Brogdon. I don't think he's a star, but he's a solid player and clutch, that's the type of guy. He hits clutch shots. To. Timely player. Absolutely. He's a timely player. He can and. Being out there with Giannis and out there with Middleton, you're not looking for him to dominate. You're looking him, right. looking to him to be exactly what he is. Sometimes Bledsoe tries to do much. The play I'm thinking of is, I think Larkin was defending him. He dribbled, dri- he didn't really go baseline, but he got down to the baseline and then kind of tried to do the last couple of feet as he met with Moose on the block. And then yeah. just a real curious turnover. Ugly as hell. Not something that you expect from Brogdon. I think Brogdon's just, Waiting for to be left alone, he'll knock down an open shot. He can hit. You know, he's got the range to be successful from three point land, and I think he can set up the offense and be a facilitator as well. And he's happy being in a role player type of uh, position for that team, which is exactly what they need to lift Middleton and Giannis up 
to be able to continue to kill the Celtics. And I think the the offense, because of what you just said, is, is a little one-dimensional. I mean, if Bledsoe was all of a sudden raining threes and having a ton of success, everything would change, but he hasn't. Uh, definitely Brogdon deserved more minutes. I'm with you on the split, but I'm thinking game three 100% goes to Milwaukee. Could even be a 15-point plus win for them. I think that the uh, home crowd, the officials, they love Giannis. He really hasn't given them much to to savor in the first two games in Boston. These things have a way of working themselves out is the best way I'm going to put it. Maybe maybe the nicest, most politically correct way. But these things have a way of working themselves out. Remember, Giannis was in foul trouble in Game 1. That will not happen in Game 3. It didn't really happen in Game 2. Uh, I see some I see some domination there, but I think the Celtics bounce back, take Game Four despite it being a Sunday afternoon matinee, historically not being favorable for the Seas. I still think they'll take it. They'll head home. I think they wind up taking it in five, maybe six, but they'll be at home when Boston wins. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be five. Uh, I think that there's. Um, I just feel like they'll get one, but Milwaukee's just not a good enough team. Uh, they need. They need more playmakers. Uh, I think Brogdon's a playmaker. I think Giannis is clearly a playmaker. Middleton uh, can score, but he's not a playmaker. Uh, he's he's important for them to have. Um, so I, I I'm really I don't see I don't see this going past five games. I think that that's the best that Milwaukee can hope for. Uh, honestly, I mean, they they might be able to pull out a second one, but let, I'm I'm saying Celtics in five at this point, and uh, we're going to be talking about the. I think we're going to be seeing the Sixers and Heat going all the way to seven games while the Celtics get rested. Yep, I like that. It, oh, and, and I like the idea of playing Philly. I know they're they could be a very difficult, lengthy matchup, but I like the youth. I like the battle of the youth. I think there's storylines there. I think it'll be incredibly entertaining from an athleticism point of view. I think we'll see a lot of. Uh, up and down ball. I think we'll see defensive lapses because the Celtics will get caught up in it and abandon that half court set that is so strong for them. Be, uh, not because they want to abandon it, but because Philly will force it. I think that uh, Philly is obnoxious. I truly despise that fam- that franchise. I like nothing more than to see them lose to the Heat and not make it that far. But it would be entirely incredibly entertaining. You're right. And I also think I would, you know, if it's a game five, um, maybe they hold out smart. But uh, if it goes, if this series goes to six, Marcus Smart's playing. Marcus Smart is going to be back sooner than we expect. I wouldn't be surprised to see him at game five, honestly. They said he might be back by the twenty seventh, which would be for game seven. But he was already shooting. Yeah. The issue being swelling. Yeah. And I'm with you. I think he will be back a little bit sooner. Boy, they could use that defensive dog of a lift out there and just yeah. a little bit more depth at the guard position plus we know he can get out on the wing so I think that that will help them manage the minutes of these players so they don't get too tired and banged up with the combination of the fact that you get a night off in between every single game and an extra day when you switch cities lots to like in the postseason for the Celtics staying rested and a player like Marcus Smart who tends to run himself into the ground remember he was super smart Mario smart when we saw him come back after the extended absence the first go around all of a sudden he was a leapfrog he was jumping into the sky this could be the exact kind of lift that would get them by philly and imagine that if they actually made it to the eastern conference finals without 
Hayward and Kyrie. Uh, the buzz would be abound in the offseason for what this team is capable of next year. That's going to do it for this week's show, though. The show will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin, at CSL underscore Duke. A big thank you to everybody for tuning in and a reminder that you can help support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher. We'd appreciate a rating and a review because your feedback is important to John and myself. For staff writer Samuel Elias, executive producer Larry H. Russell, the founder of CLNS Media, Nick Gelso, and my co-host John Duke, I'm Justin Poulin. Thank you for listening to this week's edition of Celtic Stuff Live. Celtic Stuff Live.